The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. SEC West win totals on deck. That's right. We are bringing our win total series to a close. A reminder, as you are coming to us, you know, we have had our loyal listeners riding with us all the way through. We have some that, yeah, I, I understand. You don't you don't really click into that full college football mindset yet. Well, we've got all of our win totals pulled together on a playlist on Spotify. You can find it there. It's all in the feed. Uh, go through. Uh, we've been doing this division by division by division, and uh, we think that it's a great way for you to get ready for the season, a great way for you to get your card together, and we will be having our first locks episode of the 2021 season coming up on Thursday. We will be releasing our win totals locks, but before we lock it up, before we get count them up, we've got some breaking news here on this Wednesday morning as we sit here to record the Brett McMurphy, a former colleague for some of us, uh, was at Stadium, now at the Action Network. He has arrived with a a big-time scoop, and it is that the Nebraska football program is under investigation by the NCAA. Okay, a lot of ways we can follow this. Among the allegations, according to the report, is that uh, improper use of analysts as well as uh, very similar to Arizona State, at least in my reading of the situation, um, you know, carrying on team activities in a way that did not follow the rules of the time. So before we get into these SEC West win totals, we wanted to give just a quick minute on this because we will be releasing this episode uh, right away as soon as we're done. Um, are, are you concerned? Very concerned? Uh, does this impact at all your expectations for Nebraska on the field or is this more big picture? Uh, how are you digesting and attacking this story? I'll tell you what, Danny, you had Brett on the radio show like less than an hour ago. Um, what did he say and what kind of further insight were you able to gather? Just that this is trouble for Scott Frost. I mean, stating the obvious that he's got sources. The school has video that they've given to the NCAA, which clearly shows some of these workouts that were taking place. Um, they've got video of the analyst uh, on the field working with the players, which you're not allowed to do with an analyst role. It's supposed to be hands off. You can analyze, but you can't coach on the field. And they have video evidence of that. But of all the things like that I asked Brett that I was kind of surprised that he said was like, do you think this is Nebraska trying to get out of Scott Frost's deal? I asked him that. And he said, well, they've had this investigation going on for a year. They could have done it by now. So I, I take it for what it's worth. I still think this does look awful. I think if you were looking for a reason to get out of Scott Frost's contract, you could do it easily right now. Um but I also think maybe they want to give it one more run, like kind of see what happens. Like, let's see, like to see if you can capture lightning in a bottle, if they can get eight or nine wins, which I think we all agree is highly unlikely. And then with a fan base that I do think is torn because they love their returned hero coming back to save the program. And there's a faction of it's like, let's just stick with them. He's our guy. 
But I think there's also starting to be a growing faction that's looking at saying this isn't working. And I think the people that are writing the checks, the people that matter, are probably looking at alternative options. And one way to get out of this contract would be this investigation. My first thought was that this is exactly out of the Kansas with David Beatty and Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt and and, and company. Those playbooks, right? It's schools that had a buyout they didn't want to pay a buyout that they probably couldn't pay. It would be prohibitive. In ten- Tennessee's case, is the same as Nebraska. They really bid against themselves for an unnecessary contract extension uh, that they gave to Pruitt. Who the hell was going to hire Jeremy Pruitt away? No idea. Who was going to hire Scott Frost away? Again, no idea. But now with this buyout around $25 million for Scott Frost, there's no need to fire him before the season. Uh, but if you have all this evidence, and they have a lot of video evidence, according to Brett McMurphy's reporting, that's a that's a pretty nice little little chip you have there. Like, hey, let's let's negotiate this buyout down some. We have we have reason for cause. Uh, these always get litigated. I don't think this will be a twenty five million or zero dollar sum in the end, assuming that it does go down. And it's hard for me to see Scott Frost working out at Nebraska now in the long term, especially because they were terrible last year, despite all all of these illicit practices that they had, which doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence, you know, for this season. A lot of stuff they've done in recruiting has not worked out. Many of their higher-rated players uh, fizzled out pretty quickly and, and are no longer on the roster. But that was my initial reaction is, hey, this gives them leverage to pull a Kansas or, or to pull a Tennessee uh, and fire for cause. Why does Nebraska and Tennessee have to keep doing the same thing over and over again? They are the exact same program. Now they're trying to fire their coaches in the exact same way. They've had the same kind of down year since the late 90s. And also, like, if you go back and we look, you wonder, like, as you said, this has been going on for a while. Nebraska has video of it, and they're using this in their own investigation, all that kind of stuff. Did this play a role in Bill Moose being fired? Is this part of it? Was that part of the, because I, or I'm sorry, Bill Moose retired, but for, retired. Re- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big retiree. Surprisingly, like, with a lot of money left on his deal at, at 70, which is not that yeah. old. That was yeah. only seven weeks ago, though, and the replacement, Trev Alberts, who's a Nebraska legend, has only been on the job. Today is his 31st day on the job. So to push back on McMurphy's idea that if they were doing this to fire him, they could have already done it. That's true. But a new AD uh, who you know played on those legendary Tom, you know, Tom Osborne Nebraska teams, uh, he could want maybe more than just a month. And who wants to make a coaching hire before a season starts? Let's yeah. let the investigation play out. Let's let the season play out. And then you have all the leverage in the world to do what you need to do. So the yeah, and oh go ahead Tom. It's, it's really important now. I think that Nebraska gets off to a very good start to the season because if they get out, like they started Illinois, if they lose that game and this with this story going on in the background, and then Oklahoma looming a few weeks after that, eh, I don't know if Scott Frost gets through October. So the there is a potential though. I like we've got a lot of doom and gloom here, and so before we move on, I want to at least say, can Scott Frost win his way out of this? Can he? Can he? based on what we know, and we've got a lot more to learn, um, do you think that there could be an assistant coach that ends up jumping on the grenade here? There could be ways that this gets played off. Um, you know, the NCAA will will often come at the head coach with a lack of institutional control, failure to monitor. They have some language to be able to hold a coach accountable, even if they're able to prove, I didn't know about any of this. Do you think that the video evidence includes like Scott Frost out there? Like, is, are his hands that dirty with this that you think that no matter how this ends up, even if Nebraska has a good season, we could be headed towards a change of head coach? Well, if if Nebraska has a great season or a good season, and Scott Frost is still involved, well, there'll be penalties. But I think Scott Frost would survive. Like, yeah, he would ride winning. through if they make well, a bowl. Yeah. If they make we'll a deal. bowl game, then you think Nebraska would hold on to him? We'll deal with some of these penalties that are likely going to come if we feel like we're actually finally heading in the right direction. And there is there is a scenario that's not that crazy anymore because Illinois is a winnable game for Nebraska. And they get Fordham and a Buffalo team that lost its coaching staff and some of its best players. So who knows what that team's going to look like. At Oklahoma, I don't think anybody expects them to win that game anyway. But now all of a sudden, then you get the Michigan State game on the road. That's winnable. And that Northwestern game, that's a team that you know has lost its starting running back for the season, lost an offensive lineman, and they named Hunter Johnson the starting quarterback. That game suddenly looks a lot more winnable. So it's not entirely out of the picture that Nebraska could get off to a good start. It's just whatever start it is, this story will be the root of it. It'll either be the problem that's caused this team to quit or it'll be the rallying cry in the narrative. You know what they should do? 
they should go bring back the little red uniform, say, hey, let's go back to that. <laughs> Remember those which turned out not to be true? They should actually go through with it now just to distract everybody. Our guy, Ted Hyman at, at 24-7 Sports, made those uh, for a post of like kind of funny, uh, funny uniforms teams should wear. And yeah. that's what based led their to mascot because Oregon had it had the duck uniform. So they based it. So I saw it because you, you alerted me to that. So then I found the article. So he said, what would all the uniforms look like if they were based off their mascots? And that's where it originated, which was hilarious because no one could find out. Is this real? Is this real or not? <laughs> but uh, you put me onto it, said, nope, it's not real. Maybe are, now they wish it was that was that was what we were talking about. Are we all kind of surprised that Oregon actually hasn't done a duck uniform. Where they we're, we're on like bubbles. we're on combination like what like That's nineteen what or twenty four. Yeah, we'll we'll get there anyway. You're little, little red repulsive looks like a guy who picks his boogers and puts them on the underside of the desk. You go at the end of the year and the teacher's just disgusted by what this little kid's been doing in the back. All right. He looks like Ralphie May. Remember the comedian? I think he's deceased. Yeah. But Ralphie yeah. May, the real big comedian who wore his hat backwards, I think. Like, that's who he reminds me of, Lil Red, for some reason. All right. Uh, y'all ready to count him up? Let's do it. As much as I think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play, like, I can't even. Count him up. Count him up. How many kids are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. We begin at the top of the odds board for the win totals with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Woo! Caesar Sportsbook has this one at 11 and a half. Plus 100 to the over, minus 120 to the under. We got that huge game against Miami in Atlanta. Uh, the rest of the non-con, though, um, Ron Mercer, Southern Miss, New Mexico State. Uh, the East draw does include you know, one of, I would argue, the like more difficult scenarios that you possibly could have from the SEC West. You got to go to the Swamp to play Florida. Then, of course, that uh, Tennessee game, that will be in Tuscaloosa. I don't want to speak for the rest of this podcast, but had that one as a dub no matter the location. Um, 11 and a half. Are we going with principles? Are we going with what we think is going to happen? How are uh, how are we attacking this one? I mean, principle, I have to go under. Right. Because, like, it's really hard to go undefeated, but I'm going over. I, I, it's, I don't know where Alabama's losing. And I know there's a ton of concern about everything that they have to replace and all that stuff. But, man, like, they do that every year. You know, they went from Tua, and oh my God, how are they going to replace Tua? Well, Mac Jones comes in, and Mac Jones is just as great in that offense. And while I do have some questions about how the offense is going to look, it's also incredibly talented. It has talented receivers. It has a good, they'll have a good offensive line. They have a good quarterback. They have a good defense. And while Saban, it's hard to go undefeated for a full season, Saban, in the playoff era, I think they've gone undefeated in the regular season like three or four times. Like they've lost in the playoff. But they've gotten through the regular season twelve and zero, or they've you know lost in the SEC championship. I think, but five five times. Yeah. So like the Miami game in the open is is tough, but Miami I have questions about, especially early in the season. I think Florida on the road in that third game is pretty difficult because that's you know Alabama's still going to be figuring itself out. So maybe that game could be closer than we expect. But I still think Alabama wins that game more often than not. Texas A and M on the road. I think Alabama probably wins that game more often than not because until, like as I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, until the Aggies start showing that explosiveness on offense, I'm not going to give them credit. I'm not going to give them the the ability to keep up with Alabama's offense over 60 minutes. So I just don't see an opponent on this schedule that I'm fairly fully confident in keeping up with Alabama for a full game. So I'm going 12-0. and 0. <laughs> They're going to be a double-digit favorite against everybody on their schedule. Um Florida. Think they'll be double digit against Texas A&M in College Station. That's the one I was going to point to. Yeah, like, I, I'm going to take the under here, uh, and I really like this Alabama team. I will note that I don't think Bama has been 11 and a half ever, to my ever. knowledge. It's probably They're, been at 11 a couple times, but never 11 and a half. Correct. 11 and a half is pretty wild. I think it is largely a reflection of what happened last year. Uh, but of all the teams in the SEC West. There are only, I think there's only two that I'm confident will not be as good as they were last year. And one of those teams is Alabama. I think a couple of teams in the West probably got 
a good bit better. And if you're if you're betting this over, and I don't think Tom, you maybe disagree. I, I'm probably not going to have this in my actual locks no. pod picks. Yes. Um, but new QB who I really like, but he's still new. New receivers who I really like, but they're still new. New pieces in the secondary again who I like, but they're still new. I really think they're going to wreck people up front this year with, with, with the front seven in a way that they actually didn't do last year with Will Anderson and Tim Smith, who was one of my favorite prospects coming out. They flipped him from the Gators you know, down the stretch. But they have to run this at Florida, at A&M, at Auburn, Miami neutral, LSU at home, Ole Miss at home. The fact that their number is 11.5 suggests it is possible, perhaps very possible, to do so. I just don't think... I can't get there with the math, betting over an 11.5, where there's six teams I think athletically can kind of run with them. You know what I mean? It's it's difficult for me to do. I'm high on a couple of these teams we'll talk about in a second. So uh, I'm definitely a believer in Alabama. Alabama fans, I, I, I got you here. But for 11.5 for the for the picks pod that we're doing, I, I have to go ahead and take the under. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in Fornelli. I know you Tom, think you totally know a guy. You think you know a guy. Principles. Like Tom somebody on the show has got to stand for something, or you fall for yes. anything. I think <laughs> exactly. there's a couple songs talks about that. Eleven and a half. This is insanity. You have to take the under here. And I think Bud. I totally agree with Bud's points. The schedule is tough, right? I think a quarterback. Now this is the pro. Like if Derek King was healthy, I think that Miami game would be way more interesting. I'm kind of curious how much they're going to use him in the run game, and I don't think that's one of their losses. But I think AM has proven to be closer. I think the Florida game in Gainesville could be an interesting one with a new look offense with Emory Jones and some, you know, a better defense that could possibly pose some problems for Bryce Young in a first time hostile environment that's there. First year starting quarterback. I know they've replaced him year. Like all of us felt pretty good about Spencer Rattler last year stepping into Lincoln Riley's system, too. And by all accounts, he flourished. He had a phenomenal year at the end of it, but early in the season, in some fourth-quarter situations, he cost them games. He cost them two games with some bad uh, throws. I don't even know if it comes down to Bryce Young making a similar mistake, but I also think Ole Miss last year was a handful offensively for Alabama's defense. They're going to be a little bit better defensively. Again, I don't think that's where a loss comes from, but it wouldn't shock me at the end of the season if you said, oh, that was the game where Nick Saban, uh, or excuse me, uh, Lane Kiffin pulled off one of these you know, surprises and he's out there trolling him after the game, and yet Ole Miss may be 8-4. and four. I could also see that being the only loss on Alabama's schedule and they go on to win a national championship. So much like Bud, this isn't a troll Alabama, you guys aren't that good. It's a... The schedule is a gauntlet. You've got a bunch of new pieces. We have Bill O'Brien taking over Thank an you. offense, and we're just going to assume he's going to plug in You know what Lane Kiffin was doing with all his college experience recently. Sark came, but he got to watch Lane. Then he kind of adapted. I think there's an adaptation period for Bill O'Brien too. So all of those factors, I'm going to take the under. I'm Ole Miss's defense is going to be better. It's only going to allow eight touchdowns instead of nine. <laughs> Listen, Danny, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, because, again, I think it is – I think I think the over is a bad bet, and sometimes bad bets hit. Uh, you know, just sort of principle under on this one. But the thing that I gravitated towards was I I don't tr- I don't give all of my trust to Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone and all the turnover that they've got, not only on the field with this offense, but also with this staff. You know, you lose Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Banks, Charles Huff. I mean, you lose a lot of the brain trust of you know how they put together game plans during the week, how they call games. On the weekend, I mean, Nick Saban running around like I, I don't know if Bill O'Brien's. I imagine he's going to be an up in the press box guy. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be on the field. He, he if he is smart, he's not on the field because he's going to get his <laughs> ass chewed out by Nick Saban time and time again. And then one more thing: if anything happens to Bryce Young, guys, we're down to Bear Bryant's great grandson. And if Bear Bryant's great grandson is out there. 11 and 1 is 100% a possibility, especially considering uh, some of these matchups. So, um, yeah, Tom, I'm surprised. But again, I would not be, I would not be surprised to see a 12 and 0 in Alabama. Um, they're just, they're that daggum good. How many games are going to win this fall? Turning our attention to College Station, uh, Texas A&M over under win total of nine and a half at Caesar Sportsbook over priced at plus one ten. The under at minus one thirty. 
The non-con includes Kent State at Colorado, New Mexico, Prairie View A&M, the draw from the east at Missouri, South Carolina coming to College Station. Um, I mean, guys, there's six wins right there. Just like, just yes. Yeah. That might be one of the easiest schedules out there in the non-conference in the crossover uh, cross division game. So you just need four and two uh, against division play. So what what are we going to do with the Aggies uh, as they look at, uh, obviously when you sort of put them in the power ranking, I'm assuming we all slot them below Alabama, but how do you order them against LSU, Ole Miss, uh, that LSU game in Baton Rouge? How's everyone sorting this out? Do we like a, a 10 and two? Do we like a nine and three? Or perhaps you're even one more win beyond that in either direction. I'll go. Go ahead. Give me the over. Nice. Um, I I think that. So a couple things. Number one, I I really don't think Kellen Mond was that good of a QB. Uh, so I'm not completely concerned about the quarterback position here. And hey, this could be a, a freezing cold take, obviously, right? Uh, but I, I think that one of either Haynes King likely or Zach Calzada possibly could step up and do a really good job for them. Uh, my main concern for Texas A&M is whether they will open up the offense some, whether they will use more of these quote-unquote college-type concepts that maybe Jimbo thinks is kind of gimmicky, right? I know Bill Connolly wrote about this on ESPN. You know, More, more motion, more downfield RPO. Uh, and they have not done a good job in this offense of developing receivers for the NFL. I think the only receiver who's played in this offense who's on an actual NFL roster, like not a practice squad, is Auden Tate. Like Rashad Green's not on one, Kelvin Benjamin ain't on one. I think Osmond could make the Eagles, I believe. But they have some real dudes here who can totally run. And I feel like this is the most receiver talent they've had on campus in a long time because last year they had some real problems with you know, guys opting out, guys getting hurt like Caleb Chapman, who could be a deep threat. I love their tight ends. I think even if Jimbo stays in, in his ways, and I think the game has gotten much more explosive around, you know, the, the sport has become much more explosive while Jimbo's offenses have not kept pace on the passing explosiveness rating. Quick stat here, 2018 passing explosiveness, 97th, 2019, 118th, 2020, 99th. So this is a team that's really, really damn good in all these other areas, except they just never hit home runs through the air. I think this year they actually could hit some home runs through the air. I, I think he's probably seeing that. I mean, if you look at just how bad Bama torched them again last year with the home run play, uh, I, I kind of believe this offense could break out this year. I think they've done a very nice job recruiting the offensive line position, so losing four starters there is a concern, but not you know maybe as big of a one as I, I think it would be. And I think we will see much better ability uh, covering the deep ball and playing good man coverage on the back end this year because of all the guys they bring back. They had some young pups who flashed last year who I think will be much better on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I like the over here. I like that we're getting plus money to the over. This is maybe showing some faith in, in this team that the past three years hasn't warranted as far as taking the next step on offense and not, again, becoming less explosive compared to the rest of the sport. But I, I'm willing to go there, so go ahead and give me the over. I'll take the under. Um, styles make fights. Do y'all remember what happened when Jimbo and Lane played each other last year? Me neither. The game got postponed once and then it was canceled. We never got to see Ole Miss and Texas A&M play. It is the biggest wild card sort of question mark for me as I'm trying to figure out how all these teams are going to stack up against each other. So I think that Texas A&M is an elite defensive team, but We've seen really good defensive teams, you know, get torched. And so if that thing starts to get a little sideways and Texas A&M all of a sudden finds itself in a little bit of a hole, I think that is a dangerous game. Um, I am, you know, tipping my hand a little bit here. I, I kind of shade that one to Ole Miss just for the, you know, kind of chaos, SEC, you never know what's going to happen. Kind of like Danny, your your principal, not or your point in mention, mentioning it in Alabama at LSU is really tough, and I'll, I'll give them the loss against Alabama. Um, I could be very wrong about Ole Miss, and I think that's the game where this one breaks the other way because like I mentioned in the intro, I do think you've got six wins. Though at Missouri, hey, that would be uh, another sort of spicy one right there. The week to, after Alabama, too. Ooh, good spot <laughs> in the all, rotation. all the chips on the table against Alabama, too. Like That's all we've talked about is are they closing the gap? And once again – 
that's the game that Jimbo and the AM program is going to be judged against. If they come up short again, or if they're really close and come up short, like Alpha Nerd is right there, just ready or, to just get them in the hangover game. Or if they get the shocking upset, like let's say they beat them at home, then there's the celebration factor. Like, oh, they're just cruising to a national championship. And then you could see a letdown there too. Although in all of these, I did not have uh, at Columbia as one of the games that I had pegged as one of the three losses, um, but and I, potential losses because I'm taking the over. Ooh. I think Jimbo is a good coach. I think this roster is really talented. I think the defense is physical enough. I think he got one of the better backs in the SEC. I don't think he opens it up that much. You know, like I, I just, he is a stubborn individual. I don't think he's going to evolve until it's really kind of just glaringly obvious, which maybe an under win total on this one would do it. But I think this team is good enough to push around some of their opponents. The three potential losses I had were Bama, Ole Miss was one of my trap games. Like that could be a loss. And LSU in Baton Rouge. Out of those three, is he going to, is he going to lose all three? No, I don't think so. I think he gets one of them, and it's probably Ole Miss or Baton Rouge, and he maybe gets them both. So I'm if, he doesn't, if he doesn't open it up, I want the under. Like <laughs> So one of the problems here is that on a down-to-down basis, A&M is a really, really good team. But their pace is just ridiculously slow. And so even though they're better on an efficiency basis than a lot of teams they play, they play way too many close games because they do not get enough mm-hmm. possessions, right? And like, great, you can be awesome – but if you only play an 11-possession game, it's just very hard to beat anybody by two, three scores. That's why you're not getting as many reps in for the backups. You know, Haynes King only had six dropbacks last year because they play so damn slow. They're not blowing people out like they should by 30 in the fourth quarter. They were literally, in Bill Connolly's adjusted pace number, dead last in the entire country, right? 127th in adjusted pace. If they don't open this up, I want no business with, 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 with the over here because then that brings in games that they could lose, like Auburn. I think it makes Ole Miss you know, more likely that they lose. I don't like them all that much at Missouri if they don't open this up. I mean, if they just continue to try to just you know, run on first down, play super slow, play great defense, I, I want no part of that. How much I do think you they hate will open up a little bit. How much do you hate time of possession stat? The third in the country last year, time of possession. So clearly they are playing slow, but a part of it is – keeping the ball away from the other team so that Ole Miss may only have the ball so they have less margin as well. Do you buy into that? No, is that definitely not. Is that an way of thinking? No, but here's the thing, though. Like, let's say you score a touchdown on every drive, right? And I score a field goal on every drive. If we only play two drives, I'm still within eight points. This is the thing. Like, if, if let, let's say I'm, pl- I'm pl- you know, plus two points per drive against you. It's kind of like if you have an edge in anything. Like if you have, a, if you're counting cards in blackjack, you want to play as many possible hands as you can. If you have the edge, if you don't have the edge, the house wants you to play as many possible hands, right? Like if you're a good, good team, you should want to play more possessions so you can maximize your edge over more drives. If you're an underdog team, you should try to play as few as possible to try to keep the game close and, and hope the variance monster, you know, kind of like like coin flips your way. I, they play like a, like a huge underdog team. How many times has Texas A&M won 10 games in a season this century? Ooh. Regular once, season? One. Once. Once. 2012, the Johnny football year. That's it. I'm not taking it over for 10 for a team that hasn't proven it yet. Now, granted, they probably would have done it last year had they played a full schedule. They did finish 9-1, and one, but that 9-1 and one finish and being number five in the poll kind of is what's convincing me that Jimbo's not going to change because Jimbo's going to look at last year and yep. say, well, I went 9-1 and one last year, nearly made the playoff doing it. Why do I need to change anything? And maybe he's right. Maybe his offense will be so efficient. And that defense, which I love and is a ton of talented players, will be so good that he will be able to keep playing that way and it will work for them and they will compete and they might beat Alabama. They will compete for a playoff spot, all that stuff. I just don't think that's the most likely outcome here. I think that like what you're getting at, bud, there's too much chance for trouble. You're giving your opponent too, you're giving your opponent a better chance to beat you than they probably deserve. And I look at that schedule. We mentioned Mizzou on the road after Alabama. That's kind of a trappy, kind of strange feely game. The other road games, Chip, like you mentioned, at Ole Miss. I think that's going to be a really tough game for the Aggies. At LSU, I think that's going to be a tough game. And then you go through the rest of the schedule. You've got Auburn. You've got Arkansas, which is a 
I think they should win, but it's a rivalry and it's been a pretty close heated kind of rivalry in recent years. So I think that there's two losses on the schedule for sure. And I think there's a very good chance at three. So I'm going under. Arkansas some tough out for the Haggies. Come on. It is. Look at look at the history of that game when they've been playing it the last few years in uh Jerry World. It's been mostly one score games. Okay. And, and weird ones too. Yeah. One the one reason why I have hope that he will change this, right, is this. 2018 win expectancy. Okay. They really like I'll I'll give him a pass on that. They, they had a zero percent against Alabama, right? Expected margin twenty eight points. The game was a little bit closer. They they got lucky that it was that close. And they only lost by by what twenty two, twenty two or twenty three. Yeah, twenty nineteen, one percent win expect win expectancy at Clemson, one percent. They played to keep that game super close and to cover the spread. It didn't seem like they were actually trying to win at any point. Zero percent against Alabama, zero percent at a, at LSU. Let's go to 2020. Pretty much everything great, except for 0% at Alabama. Expected point margin, 28. They kept it to what, 20? No, they lost by 28. Yeah. Look, when they play the best team in the West, they get crushed. They have to open it up if they actually want to win the West and do something. They're really good at winning You know, 8, 9. I think they can get 10 without beating Bama. But I, I think if you're Jimbo... They they gave him that empty like the the trophy with the the year yeah. left blank on it. You got to do something. The sport is getting more explosive around you. Frank Beamer had one of those too. Um, they the, all those stats analytics are awesome. Just look around college football. Look at what's winning national championships. Look at what LSU did. Look at what Ohio State does. Look at what Alabama does. Kirby Smart, I think, was a similar stubborn mindset we're gonna win with defense we're gonna win with physical play we're gonna you know ball control he woke up i just don't know if jimbo will make that evolution i hope he does because i think then they're a really really dangerous program but i just don't know but i'm with you bud like you should you should be looking around and be able to make that change hold on danny i'm I'm zooming in on some images here did you guys find the asterisk on uh, LSU's 2019 national title trophy for throwing RPOs down the field or using motion? <laughs> Let me pull up pull up Bama's trophy. Uh, oh, no. Wait, no, it's not. So if you're not taking yep. advantage of the college ball rules, you're only hurting yourself. Without a doubt. Count them up! Speaking of LSU, the win total for 2021 set at 8.5 at Caesar Sportsbook, over at plus 100, under at minus 120. Uh, your non-conference slate. We start the season week one. Just awesome game. Like it's an eight thirty kickoff, and I was sort of planning out my week one Saturday already because I'm an absolute lunatic. And I was like, you know, that eight thirty kickoff on Fox is going to be a four and a half hour game, especially the way that LSU is going to play football and the way that UCLA might get caught into it. So that that might as well be a, a little SEC Pac twelve after dark. McNeese State, Central Michigan, ULM round out the non-conference slate. Draw from the East. That Florida rivalry game is going to be in Baton Rouge. Then they go to the big checkout line, Kroger Field, to play. Kentucky. So uh, eight and a half for a team that we, uh, Max Johnson will be in at quarterback after the Miles Brennan injury. We've got a wide receiver room that's absolutely loaded, an offensive line that's got some questions, defensive front that probably has some questions, though I like them on the back end. Um, everyone's talking about a bounce back. The AP Top 25 was released today, and among the teams that have made the largest jump from where they finished last year to where they start this year, there is a lot of confidence that Ed Ogeron is going to uh, right the ship after making all the staff changes. Do you believe that? And if so, uh, how does that influence? If so or if not, how does that influence your pick at eight and a half? I, th- I think LSU is going to be better than the team we saw last year. I don't think it's going to be the team we saw in 2019. So I I don't love either side of this. My numbers have eight and four as being slightly more likely than nine and three, and then seven and five being more likely than 10 and two, and so on. So I'm going with the under, but I do think this is an eight and four LSU team with room to grow if things click and things go right to, to the nine and three, 10 and two, and then maybe being the second best team in the West. I don't think they're competing with Alabama this year, but when you look at the schedule, it's not easy, but it's it could be a lot worse. Like the, the Eastern draw, obviously, you're always getting Florida if you're LSU, but at least it's at home. Kentucky on the road, that's not fun, but I don't think that's an unwinnable game for LSU by any stretch. I think that the non-con, UCLA on the road, 
that could be a kind of a sneaky, tricky spot. And I think that we're going to get a good idea of what this LSU team has in its very first game because UCLA is a team that I do think can put a real scare into LSU if not pull off kind of a week one upset on them, which might send the season spiraling. But I do think if LSU wins that game, they're set up pretty well over the next month to at least get off to a 5-0 and or 5-1 and kind of start before really getting into the meat of SEC play. So I think 8-4 and is a very likely outcome here. I'm going over. Uh, I, I just like... Because I think the variance is like 10 and two or six and six, you know, just sort of the which way, whether you're going to believe in the fact that Max Johnson and these wide receivers are going to come out and light it up um, or whether you think that the belief that the ship has been righted ends up totally tanking and this goes in the opposite direction. Uh, I'm going to say Alabama is a certain loss, potential losses, Florida, Texas A&M at Ole Miss uh, calling my shot at UCLA it spreads only four and a half. I mean, that's, Hundred percent a spot, especially in Week One, where uh, if the Bruins win that game, no surprise at all to me. So, out of Florida, Texas A and M, at Ole Miss, at UCLA, my question in my analysis is: Can LSU get two? They need to be able to have everything clicking and be really dominant offensively for that to happen. I think they can just because of their speed and athleticism on the outside and their commitment to really running up tempo and spreading the field out. So. Can they get two out of Florida, Texas A&M, at Ole Miss, at UCLA? My answer is yes. I think we go nine and three and go over the total. Bud, you want to take a swing at it? So I tried not to talk numbers quite as much on the last episode. And if the number is generally pretty, pretty even across the board, I'm, I'm just going to talk team. But this is a case where the number is not even across the board. If you want to bet the under, Will Hill's a great place to bet this, right? You can get under, you know, under eight and a half at minus dollar twenty. There are also eights out there at minus dollar twenty-five. I happen to think eight, like Tom, is the most likely number they land on. You know, if they are, if they're a top ten team, like quality-wise, they'll fly over this total. I think if they're a top ten team, they'll go nine and three or ten and two. If they're a top twenty-five type team, I think that this is going to be an under. I kind of have them there in that top 15 range, personally, in, in my stuff. I think getting rid of Bo Pelini is a, a big deal, and I think they will upgrade there with basically anybody else. They're trying to go back to the Joe Brady, Joe Burrow days. We'll see how well that works. I think they have absolutely tons of receiver talent. Uh, but I actually have some questions along the lines of scrimmage. Right? I think this team will stop the pass. I think they will throw the ball very well. Uh, but last year, they did not run the ball efficiently, and their run defense last year – I mean, guys, was was pretty atrocious. They were oh, – I had it here. Let me pull it back up. All right. Last year, 110th in rushing success rate allowed, right? 109th in rushing marginal efficiency allowed. These are, are really bad numbers. Um, you know, I Glenn Logan's going to miss some time at defensive tackle. They lost their starting left tackle to Kentucky due, due to transfer. I'm just not sure that they can control games along the lines of scrimmage as well as we typically think – an LSU team can. And, you know, so I think, okay, at Kentucky, at Mississippi State, Auburn, Ole Miss, UCLA, or at UCLA, rather, AM and Florida, they're going to lose the Bama game in Tuscaloosa. So to me, they need to go five and two in that stretch to hit the over on this. And I think four and three is just more likely than five and two. So go ahead and give me the under. I really hope I'm wrong on this one because I was just talking to Max Johnson's mom and dad, Tallahassee. Love them. Big bad Brad Johnson, my guy, Florida State, his wife, Nikki. They're really excited, as they should be. I'm not really worried about Max Johnson. I'm worried about some of the issues Bud brought up. Um, I'm also worried that – I'm worried about what we saw last year. I mean, I think it's easy to gloss over, but Bud was talking about the line issues up front, and they got pushed around by Auburn, 48-11. to They lost to 11, uh, Texas A&M, typical low score, and they got blown out by Alabama, weren't even close. I know they beat Florida, but it was kind of a fluky win when Florida probably thought they were just going to waltz out there and and just run them over. And then they had a pretty you know a fun, entertaining game against Ole Miss, but their defense didn't stop anything. I'm worried about the coordinators. Both coordinators come in without play-calling experience, having called each side of the ball. I know what they're trying to do, and that concerns me in rekindling the Joe Brady magic. What if Joe Brady was a one of a kind? 
You know, like, what if he's the genius behind all of this? And Joe Burrow, the combination of them two were perfect. There's something about knowing the plays and knowing the playbook versus in-game, making adjustments, knowing when to call certain plays, knowing when to make slight tweaks to formations, knowing how to game plan. I don't know. And it's not to say I don't think Jake Peets could replicate some of that magic, but I need to see it first before I take uh, an over win total on this one. I will do this for my guy, Brad. I'll take Max Johnson 50 to one <laughs> for a Heisman trophy winner, much like I did with Desmond Ritter. Like some of these teams that I'm a little bit down on replicating past success. If they do, if Jake Peets works and this team is closer to 10 wins, I think it's going to be in large part because Max Johnson throwing to a lot of those weapons, just like Joe Burrow did, will be getting a lot of attention for it. But I'm going to take the under eight and a half. Just for, do you guys, where do you draw the line as teams that you could reasonably see winning the division? Is the line here or is the line with the next team? It's not uh, beyond Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not reasonably right. beyond okay. winning because nine and three doesn't win you the division. Right. I guess if Alabama's down, like, do, yeah, let's is say it Bryce only, Young gets is hurt. it only AM and LSU? Yes. You mentioned yes. it. I mean, Bryce Young, gets, if he gets nicked, there's not much depth there. So right. if that happened or if something was a disaster and he was a total bust, then it brings the others into play. But I think this is where, as far as I would go, too. Yeah, without a doubt. Coming up on the other side, we move to the other edge of the Mendoza line. We look at Ole Miss, Auburn, Mississippi State, and Arkansas next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. How many games are going to win this fall? Ole Miss, landing in the, uh, were they top 25 AP? No. Top 25 coaches poll, I believe. Maybe yep. AP. Ooh, just out there. Uh, seven and a half is the win total at Caesar Sportsbook, minus 135 to the over, plus 115 to the under. Uh, non-conference starts with a neutral against Louisville, Austin P, Tulane, Liberty, the draw from the East, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Danny, we were talking about, like, what's the easiest, like, trying to find six wins right there? I guess neutral against Louisville is the most intimidating spot that you have because Tennessee and Vanderbilt, two first-year coaches. So, you know, if five and one at a minimum, so we'll say something goes wrong against Louisville or maybe it's Liberty. Can you go three and three against the division? Uh, maybe you frame this in a different way. Which way are we going to go with seven and a half for the Rebels? Chip, you go first. I already know where you're going. Over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, why? Just because of the way I set it up? Yeah, I you've, just, you've well, alluded to it like in your little secret way like five <laughs> times already. You got like, him beating A and M, we know that. Yeah, so it's like I have to figure you're going over with them. So it's the upset specials. LSU and Texas A and M are both coming to Oxford. They are teams that I have rated as being better than Ole Miss, but I don't think it is with the kind of distance that makes those games unwinnable. I will give them Auburn as a win. Maybe that's a hint. I will give them Arkansas as a win. And I will admit that the Egg Bowl could swing this, but as I'm sitting here, uh, a little bit unsure of Mississippi State uh, and recognizing that I might be, uh, you know, in some trouble here, I'm I'm going to uh, at least chalk that up as a win as well. So Is yes, it our connection or chips. I think it's I chip. Think it's chip. <laughs> oh chip, no, you went away for a second. Chip, you want to come back? Returns. <laughs> um, let's see. It goes to Barton's internet. Are we are we back? Are we here? Yes, I think you're there back. You yeah, this has been yeah, like yeah, stopping for like 
30 seconds. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm Ethernet it up. You know, I thought it was me. We're all we're all hardline. So anyway, it may, you know what it is? It's Mike Leach. As I'm sitting here talking about how the Egg Bowl could swing in it, and I don't trust Mississippi <laughs> State. So yeah, upset specials with LSU and Texas A&M coming to Ox, Oxford. Auburn and Arkansas wins. Egg Bowl could swing it. It all comes up with an over for me at seven and a half. Your automatic versus Liberty. I think so. Fun game, but at the end of four quarters, I got to think Ole Miss wins that game. I'm with you on the over. I just, <clears throat> I, I look at the schedule and I look at that offense and I think that they're going to be able to score enough points to win a lot of these games, even if they're going to allow a lot of them right back. I think they could win that Louisville game. I think Austin P and Tulane are wins. So I've, I've already got them three and zero to start before they eventually lose to Alabama. But then I have them beating Arkansas. I have them winning at or capable of winning at Tennessee. I think they can beat LSU, although I'm not favoring them there, but I think they can beat Auburn. I think they will beat Liberty. I think they can beat AM. I think they will beat Vandy. And I think they can beat Mississippi State on the road. So I don't think eight and four is all that out of line for this Rebels team. So that's where I'm going. I'm going over. I'm on the same. I, I, I've said it a couple times. The offense that Lane runs with a quarterback who I really like a lot, Matt Corral, I think the offense is going to see improvement, even though they did lose some incredible talent. But I just feel I have trust that the offense is going to put up similar numbers. I think you have to get better by default as one of the worst defenses in the country. They will get better on the defensive side of the ball I think this is a team that could surprise some people. I think you could see a win. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, I mentioned it earlier with Alabama. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if this was Lane Kiffin's, like, signature win early in the career. He knocks off Nick Saban and then trolls him right after on Twitter. Um, I wouldn't pick that to happen now, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happened either. You heard me take the under on LSU. I'm kind of concerned which direction they go. This team went toe-to-toe with them last year with no defense. Could they get them possibly this year at home? Yes, there's another one. And then you mentioned the non-cons, which I think the Liberty game is kind of scary a little bit. You know, Hugh Freeze would love nothing more, but it's not like it's going to sneak up on you because of that storyline. So I'm going to take the over as well. I'm also going to go with the over here. Um, So for me... They basically just need to get to five. They're not going to beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So they need to get to five and three in this stretch. At Tennessee, at Mississippi State, at Auburn, A&M at home, LSU at home, Louisville at home, Louisville, what, neutral site, I believe. Neutral. Uh, Liberty at home and Arkansas at home. And I, I just think that that is – I think that should be priced at like probably minus forty. so I'm very slightly to the over here. Uh We've all been very positive on Ole Miss, so allow me to kind of be the you know hate and ass bud here for a second. I think there are some concerns I have with this team. Number one, I don't love their defensive depth. They are confident that their starters on defense will be improved, and I think they have reason for confidence. But I don't think their defensive depth is very good at all. So if injuries mount, they could really uh, you know they they could they could crater pretty hard. I also think it's interesting how some of these teams play them down the stretch after Arkansas kind of laid that blueprint out, right? Now, LSU was a total mess on on defense, as was Vanderbilt, obviously, in South Carolina. I mean, that's kind of the game that got Will Muschamp fired. Uh, but Arkansas just dropped like nine into coverage, and they played them almost like one of these Big 12 teams, right? Kind of how Iowa State started doing to folks about three or four years ago. It's like, all right, cool. Take all these little shorties. That's fine. Can you execute in the red zone, in the compressed space, and, uh, and they, they struggled to do so. I think that was the game that Corral threw five picks or mm-hmm. something a like lot. that. It was something really crazy. Yeah, it, Indiana kind of did something similar to them in the bowl game. Mississippi State, even though they won that game and they, they beat Indiana as well, they kind of did something similar there. I wonder if, if the better teams won't, pl- won't kind of follow that blueprint a little bit more and just make this team play red zone roulette. I'm not confident the offense will be better than it was last year. I think losing Elijah Moore is a big deal. Uh, but I do think that they will get to eight wins, more likely than seven wins. So go, go ahead, give it the over. It was six interceptions, two touchdowns against six interceptions against Arkansas, uh, a feat that he nearly matched with five interceptions against LSU later in the year. <laughs> so they come in bunches with old Maddie because he went like a month without throwing one, and then <laughs> then they all came at once. How many games are going to win this fall? 
First year of Brian Harson at Auburn over under win total at Caesar Sportsbook set at around 7.0. Plus 125 to the over, minus 145 to the under. The non-conference has a, a tough game at Penn State, but the rest of it, Akron, Alabama State, Georgia State. The East draw, the rivalry game against Georgia, will be at home, and then you're going to be going uh, up to Columbia to take on nice guy Shane Beamer and South Carolina. Which way are we going for year one of Brian Harson and Auburn? No idea. Like the numbers at seven, that's probably right. But as far as even over or under, I don't really know if either side's better. I guess for the purposes of the show, I'll go slightly over. But I don't really like it either. I, I'm on. I look at the schedule. I see th- right off the bat. I see. I think they're going to lose at Penn State. I think they'll lose at LSU, and I think they're going to lose at Texas A&M. Those are going to be three really difficult road games. They do have two more comfortable road games against Arkansas and South Carolina that should be winnable. Uh, the home slate, you get Alabama at home, so that's cool. But I don't know if you know Brian Harson's first Iron Bowl. We'll see how that works. Mississippi State at home, that's winnable. Ole Miss at home, that's winnable. Georgia at home, probably not winnable, but I can't rule it out because rivalries are crazy. I think the rest of the non-con outside of Penn State, very doable with Akron, Alabama State, and Georgia State. Those should be three wins. So can they get to five wins in conference? That sounds tough. Four wins, tough, but doable. Three wins, not as tough, but still kind of doable. I, again, I'm leaning over, but I think seven and five is the answer here, and I'm really not confident in any of it. I uh, I really like their corners. Um, I think their backers are good. I think they made some uh, some interesting hires, but I love the under here. And find this at a book that where you do not actually have to play all twelve of the games. Find this at a book that counts forfeits. I've already pounded the under seven and a half here. I would still pound under seven. I think there's a decent chance this team can miss a bowl. Uh, I, I really, I'm not buying at all. Uh, I, I think the transition from Malzahn's offense to Harson's is going to be uh, challenging. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I mean, they lost Newkirk to Florida and Florida's raving about what, what a good transfer he was. You know, like they, they do have some good guys on the defensive line too. It should still be a good defense, but um, man, I have six and six as, as a lot more likely than, than eight and four. I mean, at South Carolina is not a lock. Mississippi State at home is not a lock. At Arkansas, definitely not a lock. Old Miss at home, probably a coin flip. At LSU, they're dogs. At Penn State, they're decent-sized dogs. Probably, what, eight, I would think, that it'll, it'll close at. Around, yeah. Um, Georgia at home, they're dogs. I don't think they can play with Georgia. At A&M, they're dogs. Bama, no chance. Uh, man, I, I'm not buying – it would not shock me, by the way, can I, let's do a show bet. This is kind of crazy. What odds would you get me that Harson only gets two years at Auburn? <laughs> at Auburn? Like, can I get like Not can I get like ten to one? Yeah. No. Can I get five to one that he only lasts two years? No, it's Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The buyout there is not high. Um, You're. Uh, can I ask a technical question here? Yeah. So. You've alluded to it. Forfeits might be a possibility in this one. Not one of the most vaccinated teams in the SEC. The Big 12 has announced their policy. The Pac-12 has announced theirs. The SEC has not, right? So No, the SEC came the ACC had not. The SEC came out and said it's forfeit. At we're, not doing, we're not doing cancellations and, and reschedulings. All right. I think that's I think that's a dumb policy that all these conferences are going to be regretting once it gets there. But if you watch what happened to Ohio State last year, you're like, why does it matter? As long as you, if you look the part, you can still make the playoffs. So it doesn't matter. What do you think the books will? When you asked uh, about, it depends the on which book. Okay, so because if it, you know, check if with your book if it says game. have to play all twelve games or if if forfeits, you know, count. Gotcha. Um, I'll take the under as well. I was I thought it was a good hire at first, but then like it just feels like a little bit too forced. Going with Bobo without any previous relationship because he was in the SEC. Going with Derek Mason without any previous relationship because he was in the SEC. The other thing, too, is as much as we bashed Gus Malzahn for his lack of development in quarterbacks, like, are we sure Bo Nix is just going to flourish under a new regime? Like He's all of a sudden going to be there? I'm not at all. I don't know if there are many great options there as well. I think you see a whole lot of Tank Bigsby, who's great, but when was the last time we saw a running back carry their team in, in the you know recent memory with the way the game is run now? So 
schedule's brutal. I don't think it's going to be a great year. I'm going to take the under as well. I think I would feel better if you could find it at seven and a half and then take the under because seven and five probably feels like where they are, but I'll lean the under. Um, Carry on Johnson is the last time I remember a running back just like, and it was Auburn, you know, throwing yeah. the, the entire team on his back. So I, as I sorted out my wins and my losses and moved them from side to side, I came de- down to Ole Miss and Mississippi State, with which are both fortunately at home, and then Arkansas on the road. And the way that it was coming up, I needed Auburn to go three and zero, and that answer is no. I just I don't believe that they're going to go three and zero against Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Arkansas. So I am also on the under. Count them up. Mississippi State, a round 6.0, minus 115 to the over, minus 105 to the under at Caesar Sportsbook. Louisiana Tech, NC State at Memphis, and Tennessee State is your non-conference. The draw from the east, you go to Vanderbilt, and you host Kentucky. So um, Mike Leach, year two, the, it felt like we had two seasons of Mike Leach just within year one because there was the record-breaking win against LSU, and then there's uh, kind of everything that followed, a, a team at the end of the season that was really relying on a defense. We lose a lot from that defense. What are we going to be doing with the Bulldogs uh, here in 2021? I'm going under because as far as like non-conference schedules are concerned, like starting the season for an SEC team to start the season with Louisiana Tech, NC State, and at Memphis, that's a pretty tough, like th- that's tricky non-conference schedule for a Mississippi State team that wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire last year and had some problems. So I think those are three difficult games. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose at least one, if not two of them. And then you open SEC play with LSU at Texas A&M. Then you get a bye to rest up to get Alabama. Like, we don't even know what's going to be left of this team by the time they get to the second half of their schedule. That is a very rough start. So because of that, I mean, it gets easier in the second half when you get the run of games against Vandy, Kentucky, Arkansas, and then Auburn and Tennessee State. But, man, I I don't know what's going to be left of this team. I don't have a ton of faith in from what I saw last year. And I I, I worry. We've talked about this a little bit. Like, I worry that our, our... expectations for this Mississippi State program have been skewed too much by what Dan Mullen was able to do there. And maybe we kind of underestimate the job that Dan Mullen did there at times because he was consistently winning games. But this is a tough place to win at. Mike Leach has done a lot of a lot of his won at tough places before. So I can't rule it out the possibility. But I see five and seven as being more likely than a six and six or seven and five year for the Bulldogs this year. So I'm going under. So wait, real quick. Denny, or excuse me, Tom, you see five and seven as being more likely than six and six, too? Yeah. Okay. So we might see this on the locks pod. We might. We might. Under. Uh, (laughs) I mean, same. I I don't need to. We're, we're late in the show. We're running close on time. I can, I can just say ditto. I'll take the under. By the way, if you're an SEC fan who hated when I joined this pod and you left a one-star review and like, I'm going to stop listening to it, but then you really couldn't give it up because you love Chip and Tom and then you came back with Bud. If you want some ammunition to use against me, go look at my tweets when Mike Leach was lighting up LSU's defense in that week one. Oh, look at this. Finally, they see an air raid. Look what happens. And then didn't look so great at the end of the season. So go have some fun with that. I do think you'll see a better offense, but I'm more aligned with Bud. We're saying maybe this program, maybe we should appreciate what Dan Mullen did. Perennially challenging, getting nine wins, having this team in the top three, I think, at one time, which was clearly a little bit lofty. But I just think this is a more of a turnaround, so I'm going to take the under, too. So I completely agree with, with, with everybody who's gone under so far. I'm also picking the under. Now, look, obviously, it's a noble cause for Lane Kiffin to be out there encouraging folks to get vaccinated. But it's also Lane Kiffin, troll god Lane Kiffin. <laughs> what percentage of Lane Kiffin going on like Good Morning America and stuff to talk about Ole Miss being 100% vaccinated is trolling Mississippi State? Which Always is not. be fruiting. Yeah. <laughs> Find a book that counts forfeits as games. Take the under. Also, I think the one concern I had about Mississippi State that's coming through, I'm going to keep this quick, is that I don't think the defensive talent in a lot of the leagues that he was playing in was near as good as it is in the SEC, and you could usually find a matchup to where, okay, hey, we can find the hell out. We can pick on this guy, but in the SEC, most teams have enough DBs who can all run. 
There's not as many ducks that you can just pick on. And last year, to compound matters, you could actually get home if you had a good defensive line by rushing three against Mississippi State. Now, I don't think that'll be the case this year. I think it should be better up front, but maybe not that much better. Uh, and so I, I don't have five and seven as that much more likely than six and six, but I do have it considerably more likely than seven and five. How many games are going to win this fall? Bringing the SEC West to a close with Arkansas. The win total is at five and a half at Caesars Sportsbook. Minus 105 to the over, minus 115 to the under. You've got Rice, Texas, Georgia Southern, Arkansas Pine Bluff for the non-conference. The draw from the East at Georgia and Missouri. Uh, nice to have Missouri and Mississippi State games both at home just because I think you would circle those as being within the the winnable realm. Um you know, where where do we think we're going with Sam Pittman year two? Exceeding expectations year one. Is this a course correction? How are we feeling about this squad? Yeah, I kind of alluded to this when I was talking about Illinois on the Big Ten West show because I feel like Illinois this year is in the same kind of situation Arkansas was in last year where I feel like the first year could exceed expectations but also kind of set things up for somewhat of a disappointing second season because I think the team was better equipped to win right away. And that's kind of how I feel about this Arkansas team. I think that they were they won some games. They played better than any of us probably really expected them to last year. But I don't know if that's really going to carry into year two. I think there could be a slight step backward. And I think especially, you know, like Felipe Franks played really well for them in that offense last year. I have questions at the quarterback spot. I think, do we know who the starter is? I know, like, I think KJ Jefferson is the favorite, but has that been named yet? Not to my knowledge. I haven't seen it named. I'm just assuming it. Yeah. But I, I think that I, it's I don't I don't know enough about KJ Jefferson yet to be really super confident in it. I know that he has an awesome target in Traylon Burks, but I just think that defensively this was a team that was solid but not great, but got good results last year. And I don't know if they're gonna be able to maintain that again into twenty twenty one. So I'm going under. It's not gonna be like a lock under, but I, I do think that five and seven is far more likely than a bowl game in twenty twenty one. Man, I am just waiting, waiting, waiting on this to see if a six will pop. Somebody told me they found a six earlier in the preseason, and I just I can't find it. I looked at nine different books today, can't find a six. If a six pops on this, it's it's a it's unlocked. Se- yeah. Second <laughs> second mortgage time, right? Like no doubt about it. But at five and a half, I've already gone under on Mississippi State. I've already gone under on Auburn. Um, you know, I I think. Just knowing the the general principle that teams line five, five and a half, and oftentimes six go over a decent bit of the time, although not as much in the SEC historically, according to Lockie Lockerson, shout out. I think I have to take the over, but I, I Tom's points are really good here. I, I have a lot of questions about the depth, particularly at receiver. I don't think their, their backups are nearly as explosive as their best guys. Uh, they called KJ Jefferson, quote, average in his first scrimmage. Uh I would say he's probably about average. He's had better days. He's had worse days. Pittman said, uh, but he wasn't wasn't live. You know, he's a good runner uh, and he's really big, so they will run him more. I, I think they can get to a bowl. I'm gonna go over, but barely. Man, I just imagined him saying it in that same voice that he said, "Yeah, he was about average." Y'all let me take my shoes off. Some of y'all even let me take my socks off. I appreciate that. Um, I'm on the over, bud. Like you said, I'm a little bit caught in my own trap based on how I've played out the the rest of this. Basically, the Missouri, Mississippi State, and Auburn, like that Auburn game is at home too, depending on where that Auburn team is. I, I, I th- I'm going over. It is one of my least confident picks of this show, and it is definitely one that I felt like I needed to do to balance because I had too many unders in the SEC where unders are hard to come by because of the way they set up the non-conference schedule. So I'm on over five and a half. I, I can't take the under because you talked about the anti-SEC bias. I have almost all under, so I have to take an over. I don't think it's a great sign. One of your best receivers is like, Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go over to Oklahoma because I think I'm going to have better exposure and a better chance to win. Like, And also probably not thrilled with the quarterbacks he's going to be catching from. So Mike Woods takes his talents over there. Literally the day after the Arkansas football Instagram account is like, there's our guy, no one else is better. And then he leaves the program. I 
much like Bud, if you could chop around and get this at a better number, I would hammer the under. But for the show purposes, I will take the over. I think this is a six and sixteen. Five, was it seventy percent of the time? Five and a half do end up getting to six, but not as much in the SEC. But not as much in the SEC because you know, if, you, if you listen to Lockie, there are few, there are really fewer coin flip games, right? Most year, usually the SEC teams schedule three and zero at least in the non conference, sometimes four and zero, and then you have games that are just totally unwinnable. Like we're not sitting here listing, hey, as long as they can win eight of these ten, right? Like in most of these examples, it's like, hey, as long as they can win three of these five, right? Because there's not that like there's a lot of predetermined outcomes. Um, is Texas a win for Arkansas? No, hundred percent now. I mean, what? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Yeah. Now I can't rule it out. It would it be hilarious <laughs> if Arkansas. It would be hilarious if a five and seven Arkansas team still beats Texas. But you know, there's there's a lot of comedy be, to be going around uh, upcoming. That game in, in Arkansas, or is it one of those neutral sites? It's either neutral it's or Fayetteville. Fayetteville. It's Fayetteville? Fayetteville. I think so. Texas minus three and a half. That's a small line. Winnable. Let's go. (laughs) You follow him him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Coming up on Thursday, win totals locks. Get your cards together. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.